97% of our society is either is some way emotionally dysfunctional. 97%. That means in some way, shape, or form, we handle our emotions both in our own person and within our home in a dysfunctional way. I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Today we get to speak with Preston Moore. Born in Texas and residing in Columbus, Ohio, Preston is a lifelong addiction and mental health advocate. With over 20 years of personal development and recovery experience, he loves to teach, train, and coach around demystifying dysfunction and mental wellness. He loves Texas A&M football, the UFC, and snowboarding. Preston has an extensive background in sales and personal development and currently works in outreach for mental health and addiction hospital. So let's dig into this amazing human being and his journey on this episode. Preston, thank you so much for jumping onto the podcast. Sure thing, brother. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to have you and have a conversation with you. I know we've been connected for a while through the UALA community, through so many awesome Zoom calls. And I was like, I got to talk to Preston because you've been doing some really amazing things. So thanks again. Yeah. For coming on. Sure thing. So walk us through a little version of your story that no one's heard of before, but because you're new here, let's Let's go a little bit deeper and, you know, start from where you want, where you want to start. Sure. Um, uh, I grew up down in Texas, a place called College Station where Texas A&M is. I'm actually wearing my shirt, my Aggie shirt today. Nice. They, they have a, um, it's a military school and they have, well, once was a military school. Now it's a, just a big state college, but mm-hmm. one of their biggest traditions is called Aggie Muster. And it started back um, in the early 1900s, and um, a, a lot of the guys left college to go fight in the war. 
Mm. And so they had Aggie Muster to um, pay homage and mourn those that they lost at war. And, and that actual tradition stayed with the university. So every year to this day, anytime there's an A&M Student Association across the world in April, they come together and do Aggie Muster. So that's tonight. So we are going to go and, you know, just go through a bit of a, a ritual and tradition of, of um, you know, honoring those that have passed away that were that were Aggies. So that's why I'm wearing the Aggie shirt. But that's where I'm from. Nice. Um, went to I used to get a lot of trouble when I was younger mm-hmm. um, and uh, got sober from drugs and alcohol in 2001. So it's been about 20 years and um, always been in sales uh, of some sort. And about three years ago, my wife and I moved from we lived met in Texas, lived in Philadelphia, moved to Columbus, Ohio. Mm. And I totally changed careers. I started working for a mental health and addiction hospital. So professionally, I do outreach for a mental health and addiction hospital. And for fun, my hobby, the thing I love doing, I have a podcast about it, which is along the path of normalizing mental health and addiction. And what mm. I what I mean by that is we don't need to normalize drug addicts, alcoholics, mental health, people that struggle with severe mental health. What we need to normalize is basic counseling, coaching, and support groups for the masses. And what I mean by that is so often when you hear about normalization or destigmatization, that's that's a couple of the buzzwords, they often mm. talk about the addicted, heroin addicts, hardcore alcoholics, schizophrenics, you know, people that are suicidal, that kind of deal. And although that is important, the vast majority of people find the story sad but they don't necessarily identify with it. Hmm. And so my, my perspective is if we can get people closer and more comfortable with basic coaching, counseling and support group, that yeah. now becomes a prevention mechanism for the people like me that were drug addicts, alcoholics that do have severe mental health. And I do, I do that through doing workshops for parents, community groups, and schools talking to the people that are in the trenches, seeing our kids the most trying mm-hmm. to start them out earlier, teachers talking to kids and parents about these services and explaining people the difference between coaching, counseling, therapy, psychiatry, you know, inpatient residential. And then also what does it look like to come up with a mental health uh, wellness plan, like a, a wellness, I'd say a mental wellness plan mm-hmm. for, for people that don't even identify with any of the buzzwords, anxiety, depression, et cetera. And so that's what I'm most passionate about and kind of feel like I'm turning a corner on, on that part of my, um, my journey. So. Wow. That's, that's really amazing because it is true. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot more cases come out because of COVID, right? Because of the pandemic, we see a lot more cases because more and more people are in front of camera, right? More and more people are talking about, the depression, the mental health issues, and and it's it's got a lot more attention on it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We've had higher, you know, higher critical issues for a while, and and that's going to be there. But the fact of the matter is, anybody could be going through one thing or another. It's just that you know, they don't actively talk about it. Like I. I don't have it that bad, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing is it's not a matter of not knowing there's an issue because mm-hmm. everybody is aware of the issue. 
our communities right. are aware, the healthcare system's aware, politicians are aware, um, schools are aware, everybody is aware. The problem is, is that nobody really knows what to do. Nobody can really agree on it. And those that are in charge, i.e., you know, politicians, healthcare systems, school systems, criminal justice, uh, insurance, those are big, huge, massive organizations that move very slowly. So yeah. we are we are probably 10 to 20 years away from oh, wow. having the amount of resources that we really need. In other words, double or triple the counseling staff or the social worker staff at school um, coverage from the insurance side of more and more and more services, more social workers, counselors, um, therapists, et cetera. We're so far away, right? Wow. However, the question now becomes if they're not going to save us, if they're not going to cover what we need them to cover, if the social workers and therapists and counselors aren't there, what do we do now? Yeah. Well, what we do is we start at home. Mm -hmm. What we do is we quit worrying so much about our kids and start to look at what do we need to do as parents to start our own mental health? Or I, I like to call it mental wellness journey, because a lot of times when you hear mental health, you think you have to have anxiety, depression, whatever. Most people refer to it as stress. Right. They go, I don't have that. I'm just stressed. I'm just worried. You know? Yeah. That's what I mean by the masses don't necessarily identify with that mental health. There's still even a stigma around that. You mm -hmm. know, one of the one of the most obvious things that happened for me was, you know, I, I was 21 when I got sober and I was I mean, I'd been arrested four times in three years. I was on the verge of going to jail. Um, I found it very difficult um, I, I find it very difficult getting with the idea that how can my life be so functional in one area? In other yeah. words, I graduated uh, high school. I got my real estate license a week after I graduated. I started working Monday through Friday. I was making, you know, $40,000 a year as an 18 yeah. year old. I showed up to work every day. My parents were happy with me. Other I mean, I was kind of like a, some that my, my crew, they would say, oh, look at what Preston's doing. But yet I kept getting arrested. The model student, yeah. I'm like, how is this, what is happening here? First so I went on, through yeah. this personal journey of 12-step recovery. I mean, I was in it, AA, NA, you know, hardcore. Mm. So I come from that environment. Then I got into mental health, but I don't have any letters behind my name. I'm not educated from a professional level as far right. as clinical mental health or addiction service. And so I would go into these schools and I'd go into these community groups or hospitals and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, why are we waiting till someone ends up in the hospital suicidal mm -hmm. before we get them services? Yeah. Why aren't, why aren't schools making more recommendations to parents? Why aren't people fought? Why are people the first step that they go to if they are experiencing some anxiety, some stress, you know, some of those telltale signs, headaches, stomach aches. Why is the first stop? their family doctor who writes prescription medication first step. Yeah. And what I discovered was there's so many, there's so much red tape in like the school system and healthcare system. Mm -hmm. But even when you ask, talk to a parent maybe, or a spouse about getting their, their, their significant other or their kids help. The schools speak school, school language clinicians in healthcare. They seek uh, speak clinical speak and sales. We call yeah. we talk it uh, industry speak. Mm -hmm. 
So here they are making these recommendations. We're wondering why parents aren't following through. Yeah. They don't get it. It goes over their head. They they sit there and go, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But they don't get it. They don't follow through. They don't get it. Yeah. And they have their own idea, stigma of what counseling therapy, you know, support looks like because of when we grew up, yeah. only crazy people got a counselor. Right. And so. Oh, wow. And then you got to, here's another one. And this is really crazy is if I let my kid go into therapy or counseling or whatever, what if they tell what happens in the house and I might Mm. get in trouble? What if they say that we're okay with spanking in our house? What if they say mom and dad drink and smoke weed, even though it might be, it might be relatively functional, but what if they, so what do they do? They don't take their kids. Mm. And then they, most parents, this is one of the workshops that I do is 97% of our society is either, is, is some way emotionally dysfunctional. 97%. That means in some way, shape or form, we handle our emotions, both in our own person and within our home in a dysfunctional way. We learn that from generations past. Mm -hmm. So these are ways of being, thinking, and feeling that have been passed multiple generations. I've got a good example about great, great, great grandfather and what he ate between the ages of nine and 12, Uh how that affects. So, so we have all these things that we thought we were fixing because we were going to be different than our parents. We're going to do everything different and right and whatever, but we don't realize how dysfunctional our household is. And our kids are modeling that. So that's right. They're experiencing anxiety. We're going, hey, fix my kid. But the reality is I got to fix me first. Mm. But most parents and spouses, they don't want to hear that. It's fix my husband, fix my wife, fix my kid, fix it's them, it's they, it's it. I'm going, no, we need to start with us. And that starts with basic counseling, basic coaching, basic therapy, basic support, start modeling that behavior. So in four years from now, maybe it starts to catch up, but a lot of people don't like that. They like Mm. the pill. They like the quick fix. Give me the shake. Give me the, just give me the one, two, three steps and hacks so I can fix, you know, this years of, of crazy, you know, dysfunction is what it is that just so happens to be showing itself in anxiety, depression, stress, alcohol, and drug abuse, other kind of addictive or compulsive behaviors. Yeah. And so that's what I find myself talking the most about, not let's get dad to rehab, not let's get, you know, dad into, you know, intensive mental health therapy, that kind of deal. Uh, There's so much of what you're saying is so mind opening. Like, it's like, whoa, wow. Right. I smile and I'm thinking about through my parenting and through my parents' parenting and, you know, my and I see a lot of the, I see, I mean, I see it because I have young kids. They're grown up and I know who they're hanging out with. And I see that behavior like, oh, you you may dress it up as whatever you like, but it's the truth. I mean, the reason why my daughter is so bossy is because who's she hanging out with? <laughs> I'm assuming that's you or your wife, one or the other. <laughs> I just did a podcast about this. Yeah, I was like, you know, right, yeah. my son is mini me and I'm failing miserably. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why? How, why not? 
because they're modeling that behavior. They're modeling whatever they see. And it doesn't matter what we say or we don't say. It's, it's, our, it's our actions That's right. that they're going to mimic. That's right. And here's what's also... Here's what's also really insidious. And this is one of my, the, the, the flag that I, that I fly for normalizing Mm -hmm. is if I want you to get some sort of coaching, counseling and support for yourself, you've got to know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And what I do on, on my podcast is called the high cost of anonymity is I share kind of my journal, my journey, right? Like, what am I dealing with today? What did I learn in therapy? What are the struggles that I have? So a real example now is I get so frustrated when my son doesn't do what I ask him to do. In other words, my wife works in, from home. She's a, a women's leadership coach called mm-hmm. More Soul Sessions, um, does uh, women's uh, leadership and workshops. Her office is in our bedroom. Yeah. me. I was taking my son to out on the road with me to visit some hospitals. We we're going to go to a BMX park. Nice. I asked him, hey, where are your um, headphones? He goes, ooh, I know where they are. I'm like, great. He started to run upstairs. I'm saying, oh, my son's Austin. Austin, do not go in mommy's office. She's on She's on a call. Yeah. And he looks right at my eyes and says, no problem, daddy. Runs right upstairs, right into her office and goes, hey, mommy, where are my headphones? <laughs> now, I knew mm-hmm. I was just boiling, right? I'm bo- I'm like going. And I knew that yeah. I'm, I'm about to, you know, yep. be firm, sh- shame. How would you do it? Like all the things, yeah. right? But I couldn't stop it. I knew that I was doing it and I yeah. couldn't stop it. And here's the more it, yeah. insidious bit. I was yelling at him and I was going, how could you not listen to dad? Whatever the f- phrasing is. Yeah. But what I was thinking was, what if I did that to my mother? If if I did that to my mother, I would get spanked. Mm-hmm. I might get slapped. I would yeah. get berated. Right. I would get. Sh- I mean, it was my mom was raised in a children's home. She did much better than her family. Yeah. We're doing much better than 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 how we raised. We're kind of making these minor tweaks. Yeah. But it wasn't about my son not listening because mm-hmm. I know he was do- he was he wasn't just trying to disobey dad, but mm-hmm. I was shoved right back down to me being a little child. Mm. And if I would have done that, I would have got boom, 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 boom. And yet I was putting all that on him and I was, I lost my ability to parent, you know, I, I, it it was almost like I was a great parent until I had kids. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so, because I was going, I'll never do that. And yet here I, I can see it coming. Mm -hmm. I could see it coming. I knew it was going to go in there and I couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so that is just a small example that how I could position, I could position that example around the water cooler on mm-hmm. a Zoom call, on a mastermind call and yeah. say, when my son doesn't listen to me, I put my foot down and but and I could dress it up and everybody goes, yeah, yeah. I do the same thing. Uh-huh. It was so much more dysfunctional than that. And I was being shoved back to my seven year old self wishing that I could, wishing that I didn't have to take that verbal, you know, beating from my mom. Yeah. And I was doing the exact same thing to my yeah. son. And so I shared that a little bit on my, my latest podcast I'm about to talk about, but people need to hear that mm. dysfunction. So they get the opportunity to go, huh, 
maybe I should, I do that too. Maybe I should look at, and that's my hope is that maybe they go, maybe I should go to a support group. Maybe I yeah. should go to a counselor. Maybe I, that's what it looks like to be dysfunctional, even when I know I, I shouldn't be or know that I want to be acting a different way. So what you're telling me is that there are support groups for this? Oh, yeah, there, there's a ton. I think so. One of the biggest one of the biggest challenges when it comes to taking the first step to get help, a lot of people, you know, people are embarrassed. They're ashamed. They don't know which way to go. They a lot of a lot of stuff, basic mental health counseling and therapy isn't covered. Or if it yeah. is, it's still a 30, 60, 90 dollar copay mm-hmm. or you got to pay until you meet. It's expensive. Yeah. However, there are I think that our greatest challenge that we have in our society is not not knowing. It's not three steps to raising good kids. It's overall family dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Family dysfunction, which is rooted in emotional and mental dysfunction. So the issue is not my kids, my spouse, whatever. I, there are organizations like ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunction. That's a 12-step fellowship like Al-Anon, Alateen, Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous are for the, for the alcoholic. Al-Anon is for the spouse of, for families dealing with an alcoholic uh, spouse, family wow. member, etc. Alateen is for the teens in that environment. Wow. ACA is for the dysfunction of the, the being raised in a family of dysfunction. Okay. In that fellowship, for example, when they first started back in the seventies, it was called adult children of alcoholics. These were, these were adults that were raised in either an act actively alcoholic home or recovering alcoholic home. What that means, recovering is someone was an alcoholic, they got sober, they go to AA, they found recovery. But even when someone's in a home that is of someone that is in recovery, I'm in recovery, my wife's in recovery, she goes to Al-Anon, but my son is still being raised in a alcoholic home. We just don't have the alcohol. Right. So so all the all the feelings, emotions, dysfunctions are there. But anyway, so this fellowship was started. And what they found was about half of the fellowship, half of the population, the people that would go to these meetings didn't have a an alcoholic parent or grandparent. So they're like, this is weird. This is called adult children of alcoholics, but I identify with what you're saying. I feel how you felt. I experienced what you experienced. I deal with the same shame, guilt, abandonment, et cetera, but we don't have any alcohol in our family. Yeah. So what they what they found was there are five family types that mirror alcoholism and drug addiction. Ooh. Right. So one is a militaristic household. What that okay. means is whether it's literal, like strict military type household, yeah. strict religious household, really strict black and white thinking, right? Mm. They're really concerned with what it looks like from the outside. Don't what happens in this house stays in this house severe punishment, really, really high expectations, perfectionist, perfectionistic type households. So that's, that's called militaristic or pe- perfectionistic home. Oh my God. One is, the next one is, um, a sick parent. Mm-hmm. So if you have a sick parent, whether it's cancer, diabetes, or even yeah. a hypochondriac, someone that thinks they're sick all the time, there's a certain amount of like 
Um, there's manipulation. There's a lot of fear involved, mm-hmm. particularly if you have a hypochondriac type parent. They always they're always worried about the worst. Wash your hands. Do this. Do that. There's often a lot of manipulation when it comes to how can a sick parent run a household with kids. A lot of manipulation and creativity. Wow. Um, mental health, mental illness in the home, right? So there's just like dealing with someone with alcoholism, someone with extreme mental health in the home. Um, another family type is uh, foster care. So like if okay. you were yeah. adopted, came out of foster care, raised in a children's home like my mother. Um, other compulsive behaviors. So a lot of people like to exclude themselves because they don't drink or do drugs. Mm-hmm. But if you look at how they spend money, you look at how they eat. You look at what kind of internet they like to look at, how much they're on the internet, you know, how, what they're on their phone, like this other compulsive behavior that mm. they can hide or maybe is, isn't so much more obvious. Um, I know there's another one that I'm missing, but anyway, what they found was that even though some of these households may not have had the obvious direct drugs and alcohol in the home, the yeah. same behaviors model. And if you go back in the family tree yeah, and you start asking questions like I did, bro, talk about getting your mind blown. Tell Suic- me, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to contain my mind right now because yeah. a lot of this stuff that you said, I'm like, okay, I relate to that. I relate to that. I relate to that. I'm like, okay, there's l- definitely an think adult about, children. Think- Think about this. Yeah. What's the difference between an alcoholic drug addict dad that abandoned the family, an alcoholic drug addict dad that is physically there, but not mentally there because he's stoned or drunk mm-hmm. and a workaholic dad that's never around? Oh, wow. What's the difference? They're not around. They're it's not all the same. It's all the, all the same, same abandonment. Yet... Yeah. One is just, we can all agree, is terrible. The one that abandoned the home. Yeah. That's everybody can point the finger and say, they are screwed. We would never leave the home. Mm -hmm. But yet, what about the the person that is there, but he's he's not there emotionally, or he's always out in the shed, or he's in his office, or he's he's there, he's on his phone, he's playing Mm -hmm. video games, right? He's there but he's not emotionally, mentally connected to the kid. And then, which even worse, the one that is uber successful, the mm-hmm. workaholic, the all the accolades, they're a high performer, a high achiever. We, Our family, me and my wife have a great uh, agreement. She takes care of the home. and blah, blah, blah. It's the same, it's abandonment, same abandonment, right? And so where do we go to deal with this? Right there, you can go to therapy and go to counseling, but there are so many free fellowships. Yeah, ACA, uh, Codependence Anonymous, a CODA, like code. A lot of these codependent type behaviors oh comes out of uh, multiple generations of these types of families. Um, AA for alcoholics, NA for drug addicts. Um, NAMI, NAMI is a, a free organization for. Uh, it's a national uh, association of mental illness. So those are for people, not only that have mental illness, but families of friends of. Yeah. They're all free, but here's the deal. They're weird. Of course. You, you understand? Yeah. So this is another interesting one. So how are they weird? And why here, would. So here, here's, here's what I mean by that. Yeah. 
There's a great podcast. It's called uh, Mel Robbins. Have you ever heard of Mel Robbins? I've heard of Lady Glasses. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. great. So she's uh, Mel Robbins. She was on the Call Her Daddy podcast, which is a great young <laughs> podcast for 20-somethings. Yes, I listen to it, holler, uh, on occasion. But she had a great she had a great podcast about where did all my friend go, friends go and something in your 20s. I can't remember. It was a two-part episode, but here's what she said that really gave me an aha moment. She said, the podcast, Where'd All My Friends Go? So much of close friendships are built around proximity. Yes. Who you're who you're around, right? So when you're younger, you're going from grade to grade to grade to grade to grade with kind of the same kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have all these really close kid friends your view is only based off of your own experience, right? Yeah. You have no concept of anything else. You graduate and everybody disperses. Some go to work, some go to the, you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. Where'd all my, some go to college yeah. and then they go to co- class, 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 class. So then they start they building relationships, right? So they say it takes on average for a young person about 40 hours of doing something with someone else to build a friendship Mm -hmm. or a good friendship, more than an acquaintance, more than like, I can recognize you and say hi to you. Yeah. But, but a good friendship to go from good friendship to close friendship. It goes from like 40 hours to let's say 60 to 70. I can't remember the exact number for adults. It's 90 hours of doing something with someone to become a good friend. And 156 hours to be to go from good friend to close friend. Wow. So if you think about this as adults, have you noticed it's a lot harder to build good friendships as an adult? Oh my God. Yeah. It's so difficult because it's so difficult. Naturally, you just you typically do it with people that are at work if you're lucky enough to go to an office now. Yeah. Because you're around them all the time, right? If not, you go, hey. I like them. Let me start to hang out with them. And you try to build it. Even if you spend 20 hours with them, you're like, why do I not feel yeah. connected? To them? Well, that's why. So here, so here's where the aha moment came. Mm-hmm. In AA and NA, these are 12-step fellowships for drug addicts and alcoholics. The first recommendation, if you're new, is to make 90 meetings in 90 days. Wow. 90 meetings in 90 days. Now, on the surface, it's, well, you use every day, so you want to go to meetings every day. You hang out with friends that use and drink every day. You need to hang out with people that don't use and drink every day. Your thinking got you into jail, into this room, totally dysfunctional. You need to be around more people that that have been where you've been but are now living a normal way, right? But it clicked. Yeah. She's like 90, 90 hours to become good a good friend, right? 90 meetings, it's an hour a wow. week, right? Now, these are my connections, okay? This is yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. where I went. But here's what's, this is why I say they're weird. When you go, these organizations are pretty much all voluntarily, like volunteer run. They have a set of rules and principles, guidelines, as they call them, traditions. Mm-hmm. And they have a particular language. They read a particular book. They talk a certain way. And so from an outsider going into these, rooms yeah they're using this terminology we don't totally understand they maybe in my words sometimes they sound like they're whining and complaining sure they go in there and go that what are they talking about those losers are coming out of this kind of household or this or that but wow they got a year clean what are they doing in here crying right it's odd 
it's almost like finding a new religious organization. You yeah. don't just go, right? You got to show up, right? Because they do things exactly. a certain way. They don't do them like we did it at home, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you got to show up. And if you commit to 90 meetings, somewhere around the 30 day, 30 day mark and 60 day mark, you start going, wow, this is kind of cool. Like I'm mm. starting to pick up the lingo. I start to realize that person isn't complaining. Right. They're actually sharing about a difficult, stressful situation. Yeah. And they're actually getting it out, looking for solution. They're meeting with someone after the meeting, getting help. They're sharing their, they're getting more in touch with their emotions because they don't know how to do it. So they're learning. So this is, you start to pick that up as yeah. you go through the process, right? And then at the end of 90 days, they go, wow, that was cool. And you go, well, did it work? Are you still sober? Yeah, we'll do it again. So then you go 90, right? That's like best case scenario. Most people quit. Yeah. They look for excuses like you go in and go, ACA is a lot of family trauma, childhood trauma. It's it's intense. Mm -hmm. People that were molested, people that were treated really badly. You show up and you go, oh, they. I've never been molested. I'm not coming here anymore. They're talking. So it's people are looking for excuses not to include themselves. Yeah. They're seeking, they're seeking transformation immediately. But they're, but when you're presented with the transformation, they're like, what do you mean? I got to go to therapy for five years. (laughs) No way. No, you see what I mean? So no, that's part of why it's so difficult for people to, live a lifetime of seeing the seeing the world one way yeah operating from a a, a, a a system one way figuring themselves figuring out solutions around their dysfunction yeah and then they go to counseling for this little bitty 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 thing and they realize there's a monster under there. This is going to take forever. Screw that. Shut the door. <laughs> quit counseling. Back to my same dysfunction. Right? Oh, my God. So it's, uh, yeah, man, this is. Okay. This so. Fun stuff. No, it, it absolutely is because, so it all makes sense, right? The 90 hours, the 120 hours it takes for you to build a friendship and. I've been watching this show, Moms. I'm sure you've seen it. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it. Okay. So it chronicles the same, right? So there's a mom. She abandoned. She was alcoholic. She has a daughter. Is it a reality show or drama? It's a drama. Okay. But it's all around Alcoholics Anonymous because they sobered up. They started going to the meeting. Anytime they're feeling down, they go to the meeting. Right? So nine years, nine seasons or whatever. So... Show me you got to have community to be able to learn something, get over something. You got to have community. Yeah. Right. So totally makes sense. Makes. Wow. Here's an interesting one. We already we already do this in Mm -hmm. our. um, Tell me how to pronounce your name, because I've been too embarrassed to attempt. (laughs) It's Junaid like lemonade. Junaid. There you go. I'm glad I didn't attempt because I would have had it wrong. (laughs) So, Janae, think about this. Let's use physical health as an example. Mm -hmm. Are you a personal trainer? I am not. Uh, Did you go to school for kinesiology or be a dietitian or anything like that? No. Me neither. 
Let's come up with a physical healthcare plan. Are you ready? Yes. Do you think we should work out? I think so. I think so. How often? How many days a week? Three, five, seven. What? Just I know, that's I think, a good. I think three is a pretty good number. Three is a pretty good. I like five if you're if you're an overachiever. But let's just say three to five. Okay. How long should we work out on those three to five days? Twenty mm. minutes, thirty minutes, an hour, hour and a half. How long are we thinking? Probably thirty-five to an hour. I don't know. Good. 30, 35 start now, maybe work up to an hour. When yeah. we get real strong, maybe yeah. we do a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think we should maybe look at our eating a bit? Maybe start to change a few things. I think so. I mean, what we put in, yeah. Yeah. So should we plan our meals? Of course. I mean, sure. it makes sense to plan. So then you don't have to worry about on the day what what yeah. do it maybe yeah. some uh maybe we plan so when we go to the store we're not just grabbing all kind of cereal and bs we actually know what we're getting yeah maybe some meal prep right mm-hmm. we should uh how often a day should we think about what we're putting in our mouth one time a day three times a day five probably times a every day? time every time couple hours 30 minutes to an hour at least planning prepping and eating you know not eating even if we don't include the eating so yeah we need to get physical three to five times a day uh three to five times a week we need to plan our food we need to maybe we should journal about it we should write it track it until we kind of get the low down the flow right? of it yeah yeah should we hire a professional i think that us? would be a better idea yeah, that would yeah. be an in addition to. In addition right? to, yeah. In addition to, okay. So now we hire a personal trainer. Maybe we meet with them once a week. Maybe we meet with them three times a week. Should we join a gym of other people that are trying to do the same thing? Yes. Good idea. Should we maybe find an accountability partner, not someone that's paid, but someone that can we can go – how Janae, hey Janaid, how are you doing today? Check in. I want to eat some chocolate. How about should we do an accountability partner? Yes, I think that's right. a good idea. Yeah. The gym and the group fitness classes, these are people we go check in. It's actually, I've discovered that I work out, I'm more likely to work out if I tell you I'm gonna be there and I know mm-hmm. they're expecting me. And I'm not with all my other friends that are eating burgers and drinking beer. I want to be around people that think like me. So I'm better, have a better shot at doing it. So me and you not educated, not professional. We just came up with a pretty decent physical healthcare plan. Mm -hmm. The hours that we would spend doing that is about five to 15 hours a week working on our physical wellness. Yeah. But when it comes to mental wellness, Ooh. when it comes to mental health, the average, if you're committed, spends about an hour a week. Wow. That's that- if they go to a counselor or a therapist. If they take the time to pray, meditate, journal, do some mind. Most people don't, but it just, just say they did. Let's be a little generous and say one to two hours a week. What if yet we're struggling, right? We're struggling mm-hmm. with our mental health. If it was a physical, uh, if we were feeling physically sick or physically struggling or physically injured, we may not go to the event. We may not go to the work. We may not yeah. do the things. It would be very obvious that we need to take a break or go to the doctor. But with mental wellness, Could I do that? we just push through, act like it's not there, 
you know, dig deep, all these kind of things. But what if our mental wellness practice mirrored a little bit closer to our physical wellness practice? Wow. So what would that look like? Prayer, meditation, journaling, mindfulness in the morning, sometime during the day, somewhere between 15 minutes to an hour. Um, just like the gym or, or group fitness class, maybe we start going to a support group, preferably not your friends and family who are already right. crazy, just like you, but other people, other that people. The, the only thing you have in common is this thing that you're trying to do together. Uh, maybe we hire a professional, like a counselor, a coach, a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Maybe we have a mentor, someone that's ahead of the game. They're a little bit ahead of us. Yeah. And then we also get some other accountability partners, maybe that we're helping. So now we create this accountability. We yeah. talk to people that are on the same journey as us on a daily basis. We check in at night, do a little journaling, maybe do a little centering mindfulness in the evening. And then we start modeling those behaviors in our home. Mm-hmm. What if mental wellness looked like physical wellness? Right? Yeah, you'd be. But, but Janae, everybody knows how to lose weight, bro. Yeah. Are we? Nope. We're not, we're not, it's not about, it. it's not about knowledge. It's not about it's knowing not about, you yeah. should. It's about, about doing. Actually doing it. You, you're right. absolutely right. And as you're sharing this, it's, it's mind blowing, right? Because as I'm listening to you about, you know, five to 15 hours a week, you're spending on this specific activity. And I can look back into my life in 2017. I spent that same amount of hours riding my bike. Right, I hung out with the people. There was a counter regional partners. They're like, "Hey, Janae, we're going for a bike ride. Let's get ready. Hey, we, we're going to go on this ride. You know, you're you're doing those meetings. You're hanging out. You you're riding the bike. And I was able to you know ride fifteen hundred miles because of that. Yeah. But as soon as I left it, the next year, probably did a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. And yes. There was a lot of benefit that you got from that, from your, not only physically, but also mentally as well. Yeah. But if we are to make an impact in the greater, in our greater society, but to be honest, screw greater society, let's talk about my home. Yeah. If we are going to create a healthy home, um, that and pass along a less dysfunctional behavior and view of the world and a view of uh, mental and emotional wellness yeah. down generationally, I must start implementing it myself because what right. we like to do, Janaid, is I like to say, wife, when you do this, you make me feel a certain way, so you need to change. Son, when you don't listen, I get pissed off and mm-hmm. you need to listen more. These yeah. are all external. They're all external. External solutions. I am blaming my emotional dysfunction on them. On them, yeah. And then I go to my my friends and my buddies and I say, can you believe my wife did this? Can you believe my son did this? Yeah. And they all go, what? You're right. And I go, yes. But I only hang with people that think and feel. That's and, gonna, and the act, same. Right. When I go out to my sponsor, when I go out to people that have spiritual and emotional recovery that I envy, when I go to people that have a long-term marriage like I want, and I tell them the same stuff, they go, uh, 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 Janae. The common denominator. Let's talk about you. Let's mm. talk about you feeling 
emotionally inadequate. Let's talk about you feeling financially insecure. Let's talk about you um, being uh, uh, career frustrated with your career or ashamed that you didn't do what you said you're going to do. And now you go pick a fight with your wife. Yeah on a topic that you know you can be right. Mm -hmm. So now I can create certainty that she's wrong. And then I go tell my buddies to confirm what it is I just said. But if I have nobody that can check me on that, yeah, I'm just in this world like I don't know what happened. Right. I don't I mean if she would just be I don't know why she's mm. so she gets oh so God. emotional about that. I'm I'm talking about my life today. Yeah. Today. I'm talking about today. I know. Right? <laughs> I do this with all this knowledge in the world. Mm -hmm. I was still powerless to stop yeah. what was what I developed from a childhood that my mom was developed that from her childhood that her yeah. mother. Dude, I don't even want to get into what I found in my family tree. Just yeah, going back a couple of generations. Yeah. It's it's mind blowing. Um Wow. So these are the this is what I like to do as a hobby. This is what I like to do for fun. I like to open the door just a little bit for people mm -hmm. for them to go. The hope is they go me too. not only me to identify, but me too. And they actually do something about it. Yes. And so um, anyway, that's, these are the kind of things that, Man, that, are, that are interesting. <laughs> well, you've uh, literally opened a window in my head. That's connecting so many different thoughts that's like, okay, I see why now, right? That people like, I don't know why this happened. I don't know why that happens. Well, I love to find out how it happened, but now you're showing me why that happened. So this was an amazing conversation, man. Well, if, if you, I, I've uh, well, I always enjoy talking about it, but if you want to talk offline and we want to have some d a deeper conversation, oh, I mean, yeah. I, I put my, 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 uh, to buddies and stuff say, call me with anything because it's, you have to have the me too effect, mm -hmm. right? If this is my podcast, the high cost of anonymity, what is the cost to our community? Oh, keeping your story anonymous, not, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm a drug addict, alcoholic. I was suicidal. Right. I used to get, not that. No, it's, Janaid, hey, by the way, uh, if you ever know someone struggling with mental health or addiction, I got like experience. Hey, Janae, by the way, uh, if you ever uh, know someone struggling with like relationship stuff, me and my wife do relationship counseling. We've benefited a lot. If yeah. you ever struggling, make sure you let them let us let them know that they could talk to us. Hey, Jan it's like this small in passing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a um, great metaphor was like you. uh you get this little bump on your arm and you're like, oh, it's no big deal because we're busy. Gets a little bigger. Oh, no big deal because we're yeah. men and we don't pay. Oh, it gets bigger and big. Finally, the wife says, we have to go to the doctor. We go to the doctor. They go, it's staff. They cut it out, clean it out, sew it up. And they go, you're lucky you came in because that infection could kill you. And I go, yeah, yeah but I got this scar. Look how ugly this is. And he goes, the scar won't kill you, but the infection will. And now that scar is a talking piece hmm. that I get to go, hey, Janae, you see this scar? See, I used to not pay attention to my health, but and it almost killed me. Yeah. So now I can open a conversation and we can talk about this more intimate, vulnerable thing. That wow. is what the benefit, that is the benefit of if you've had a positive experience from personal development, counseling, therapy, couple support, you know, even deeper. And I talk mm -hmm. to people quite a bit on how do you do that in a responsible and productive way? 
it should be not a, you don't just dump on people. They don't right. need all the details, but they need to know you're a product of it. The man you're meeting today, Janaid, is not just Preston knew what the hell he was doing. Right. It's 20 years of deep emotional personal development work in which I'm still on the journey. I'm not like up here and they're down here. I'm yeah. still on the journey. Still on the journey. Yeah. And if you're interested, we can be on the journey together and we can navigate on a day by day basis what yeah. that might look like for someone. And so that's what um, being an advocate, normalizing, you know, not being anonymous and making a difference, yeah. whether it's just basic coaching and counseling or more extreme in alcoholism, extreme mental health, drug yeah. addiction, et cetera. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and the knowledge because, like I mentioned earlier, right, it, it opened up my mind. I know where to go because as I was watching, you know, the show Moms and like, okay, there's a there's a group for that. And then like, if I want to become a beekeeper, well, I got to go hang out with other beekeepers. If I want to be a podcaster, I got to go hang out with other podcasters. Right. And then- we spent so much time together on those coffee chats. You know, it was definitely more than 90 hours because now I'm still friends with those same people because we have that common thread. We have that common right. struggle as an entrepreneur, as a podcaster, as a father, as a parent, as whew. Yeah. A lot and it, it's, you know, it's sometimes it's actually, remember I told you most people are looking for reasons not to do something as opposed yeah. to reasons to. When it comes to dysfunction, when it comes to deep emotional wounds, when it comes to trauma, alcoholism, et cetera, we're like, I'm not going to go hang out with those losers. Why am I going to go hang out with those other people that don't have their crap together? Yeah. Well, you know what's over there? These are people that were once one way, went through a bunch of hard stuff and are now another way and are operating they're like a survivor. They're operating from a different place. Yeah. They're still on their journey because just like you would never, Janae, you would never walk up to someone who's been physically fit for 20 years. They've been mm -hmm. riding their bike. They've been eating right. They've been doing all the things. Yeah. You would never walk up and go, hey, Kevin, why are you why are you still doing that bike thing? Like, aren't you done with that crap? Like, didn't you didn't you like haven't you eat well, eat good for long enough? Yeah, they wouldn't. You would never do that. But yet, no. when it comes to counseling, mm. uh, mental health, uh, alcohol, alcoholism. D didn't you go to those meetings for a year? Why are you still going to that crap? Mm. There's this disconnect. When There's it comes a huge, to oh my God. Mental yeah. and emotional work wow. that we go, Janaid, why are you still doing those stupid, um, uh, uh, masterminds? Like mm -hmm. you, you're look at your, th you know what you're doing? Like, why are you still doing that? Because we, we need that camaraderie through yes. hard things. Because I might be up here today, but I might be down here tomorrow. Yeah. And and I need you just as much as you need me. I might mm -hmm. be mentoring you today, but this new guy's tell he's telling me some stuff that I knew yeah. 20 years ago that I forgot. Yeah. And I'm going, I still need to be doing that same stuff yeah. that he's doing at 20 years. So we need to do that with parenting, with staying married. Yeah. You know, if we want to be if we want to figure out where our blind spots are, we got to go hang around with other people that are figuring that out as well. And we yeah. got to stay long enough. Stay long enough. That we find our, we, we cross the barrier of going, oh, maybe I am more dysfunctional than mm -hmm. I thought. Maybe, 
my grandfathers who I never met alcoholism, maybe that that is affecting me more than I realize. Yeah. Right. But um, most people don't talk like this, so we don't end up doing it. Man. Well, this this podcast can go for a long time because I can say for sure, like not only has it opened my mind, but there's a lot of conversation, you know, my, me and my wife have, and there's, there's all sorts of things happening around family relatives. And they're like, you know, there's, I wish I had, I had more time, but this well, we has do. been, you just call We just talk, talk off, offline. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, here's what, here's what I want to leave you with. And if I leave your listeners with anything, the instinct for me is I go learn something, it blows my mind, and then I want to go tell my wife all the things that I learned and what she needs to do. Yeah, no. What needs to happen is what... I learn something, I keep my dang mouth shut, mm -hmm. and I go start doing the things that I learned. So Absolutely. I tell people when they come talk to me about their kid, screw your kid. What are you doing? You yeah. need to go to family groups. You want your kid to go to meetings? You go to meetings. You want yeah. your wife to go to meetings? You go to meetings. Don't yeah. go to five. I want you to go to 50 and then mm -hmm. let's talk. Yeah. I want you to call me every day, right? I start modeling the behavior that I want. And, and what a funny thing happens, Janaid. When I change, the people around me change. Oh my God. Not in a manipulative way. No. Not, I'm going to do this so my wife does. I start to change, and it's a unique thing that happens. They start saying weird things to you, like, Janae, Janae, something's different about you. Did, did you get your hair cut? Mm. Like, do, do you do something different with, and you're going, I, I don't know. I, yeah. A spiritual awakening has started mm. because. The way that you used to operate, you'd have a smile, but really you feel like a child inside. You have yeah. a smile, but you're terrified financially. You have a smile, but you think you're a loop. Whatever your thing is, right? It starts to soften. It starts to change. Then the people around you start going, Janine, what are you doing? I, I want to do what, what you're, you're doing. doing. Yeah. Right. And then you, when you start to operate, you start operating from a place of do as I do not do as I say. I come from a history of do as I say. And when squeezed, that's what I want my wife and kid to do. Oh my God. Just do what I say. <laughs> don't do what I do. I and do, do what I do. I don't like do what I do. That takes effort. It does, right? Right. Just and do what I say. What's, what's so funny, what's not funny, but what's so amazing is that our prophet Muhammad, you know, he said he did, he's like, he didn't say, do what I say. He actually modeled every single thing that was in the Quran, right? Jesus did the same thing. He's, he did, he's not going telling people. He's actually doing it. So totally makes sense. In, in AA and NA, we talk about attraction rather than promotion. Mm. Now, there's some nuances there, right? What they don't want is what a lot of the, you know, religious organizations go, Oh, go testify, go tell people the good word, right. Of Muhammad, of Jesus, you know, whatever that means. Yeah. And there is space for that. But when you start to live in a certain way, right. People start coming in and they, they get attracted to you and they go, wow, Janae, what, 
what's going tell I want to learn about you. So then then now you get to share yes. with them this is what and they might go, Wow, that's crazy. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Or and, and then a hundred people come up to you, and maybe one or two stick around, right? That's how they build the following. Yeah. Right. And it is a how can I expect my son to know what it's like to go through hard things if he doesn't see me do it? Right. Like, the amount of times I screw up. I I, I think of most of the time I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just screwing everything up and going, I'm traumatizing. This is terrible. I don't, but it's like, you know, it's going to happen regardless. So it is. Yeah. We have to model like he knows that I go to meetings. He knows I pray and meditate. He knows when daddy's having a hard time and say, hey, you got to give me an hour. I'm going to go do some breath work and yeah. meditation. And like he's he doesn't he's not he's not understanding that what it is now. Right. But there is never going to be a time mm-hmm. where he thinks I'm embarrassed that yeah. I go to meetings, that I do do these things yeah. because I see that as the scar. Hmm. He he tells everybody at his school that his dad's an alcoholic, which he didn't necessarily know that, but let's just say he did. His dad's an alcoholic and goes to meetings. Oh, won't you be a don't you be scared or no. Now I get to talk to the parents and teachers about what it looks like yeah. to be a responsible, productive uh member of the Muslim community, of the alcoholism recovery community, of the crypt- yeah. because we get to we get to open that door. We get to open up, yeah. That's right. That's right. So Anyway, well, dude, let's uh, we let, let's chat after, man. I'd, Absolutely, I'd love to connect, man. If you want to schedule another time just to talk and yeah, get yeah. into it, I'd Absolutely. love to do it. Well, Preston, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom, and we'll definitely all are on a path to becoming a better person. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Hacks and Hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today. 